Carl Renato, and I am a junior editor at the Georgetown Public Policy Review. Last semester, I had the pleasure of interviewing Virginia State Senator Ghazala Hashmi. She is the first Muslim American to be elected to the Virginia State Senate. She tells us what inspired her to run for political office and how her identities as a Muslim American and Asian American woman shape her experiences in the State Senate. Here is our conversation. I'm Senator Ghazala Hashmi, and I represent the 10th Senatorial District, uh, which is located in central Virginia, and it covers a good part of the city of Richmond, as well as Chesterfield County and all of Powhatan County. Thank you. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and what inspired you to run for political office? Well, certainly, you know, uh, my background is primarily in higher education. And so my path to politics was a rather circuitous one. Um, I knew ever since I was a fairly young child that I was going to uh, teach in college. That's what my father did. And he was uh, always very influential and a great mentor to me. So I knew I wanted to teach in college and I especially knew I wanted to teach literature. And when I was in graduate school at Emory University in Atlanta, I focused my work around American literature. But I think that work in American literature actually led me into a more robust understanding of uh, American politics and democratic principles because my research focused around really the idea of what uh, it meant to be an American and the, the kind of uh, philosophy and writings that develop that American consciousness and the idea around uh, democratic ideals. And so in 2016 in particular, I think I, along with many Americans, were uh, I was just appalled at the direction of our national politics. I was appalled in particular that uh, an individual who assaulted so much of what we cherish and value about American democracy and the, the principles that uphold it um, was elected to the highest office. And in particular, as a Muslim American uh, and as an immigrant, I felt that I and my community and so many other uh, disenfranchised minority groups were under personal attack uh, by an administration that sought to really scapegoat and demonize the value and worth of immigrant voices in this country. And as a result of that, I wanted to be much more politically engaged, but I also knew that I had a responsibility to speak out and to represent uh, what I cherish and, and, and what I knew so many people in our community here cherished. And so I decided to run for office in 2018 and my election was in uh, November of 2019. Thank you. You alluded to it a little bit earlier. Uh, you are the first Muslim American to be elected to the Virginia State Senate. How do your identities as a Muslim and Asian American woman shape your experiences within the state Senate? Well, I think it's really important to have broad representation in all levels of government. And 
in particular, we know how uh, very, very important local and state government is because we are so very close to our communities, to our constituents, uh, to the localities that we represent. And I think it's absolutely vital for um, people to see themselves represented in government and to know that their particular identities, their, um, their values are being represented in an appropriate manner, uh, that they are not sidelined, that they are not marginalized, but that they actually have a seat at the table. And so I really see myself serving that role, uh, not just as a Muslim American or as an Asian American, but as a member of the kind of diversity that we are really seeing in Virginia, the explosion of many, many different communities uh, that call Virginia home. And I think it's important to have this level of representation and, and to speak to the issues and concerns that impact us all across the board. So women and minority groups have historically been underrepresented in government and politics. As you alluded to earlier, Virginia has seen an explosion of diversity in the electorate. Um, in recent years, we have seen an increase in the diversity of elected officials. Why is diversity and representation within government important to you? So I'll, I'll share a little story. Uh, some of my colleagues in the Virginia Senate, uh, the, the first women to be a part of the Virginia Senate who are uh, were elected uh, a few uh, decades ago, and, and they continue to serve and uh, be very, very important representatives for women. Uh, they've they've um, shared oftentimes that when they first arrived in the General Assembly and at the Virginia Capitol, in that building, there were actually no restrooms for women. It was designed only to be uh, a place for men. And for centuries, of course, it was exclusively the place for men. And so women have really had to literally break walls and carve out a place for themselves and make sure that uh, half of the population, more than half of the population has a voice in our government. And so having women in particular in office is so vital. And we've seen this during, in particular during the COVID crisis, you know, nearly uh, or over 1 million women actually uh, nationwide left the workforce because of the COVID crisis. And women have borne the brunt financially, economically, um, socially. They've borne the brunt of the crisis because they've had to uh, take care of family members, take care of children, make sure that they are able to uh, keep uh, their family going in a time of real emergency for, for all of us nationally. Uh, women's concerns are social concerns. Women's lives impact every di uh, dimension of our society whether we're talking about childcare issues, um, education, the, the driving economic forces uh, in our service industries, in um, caring for the elderly medical professions, all of these are very, very vital for what women do, what women contribute and have historically always been a part of. Uh, women have always been 
uh, economic drivers for every society, but they haven't had the, the representation, they haven't had the political voice or the economic power to really um, make a change and, and to speak out on those concerns on behalf of, of the whole community. And so having more women in office is absolutely essential. So right now in the Virginia Senate, we've got 11 women out of 40. Um, I don't think that's nearly enough. We need to have more women in positions to make uh, the kind of decisions that are so necessary for all of our social concerns. Absolutely. Um, and if I could ask a follow-up question to that, Within the diversity um, of elected, sorry, uh, in representation, how do you feel diversity impacts the relationships within the state Senate? Um, and how does it enrich uh, collaboration within, um, the, in, within local government? So I'm uh, pleased that we are seeing increasing increasingly diverse voices in our general assembly and uh, it is a better representation of the, the growing diversity of Virginia, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, so just this past uh, year, last spring, we were able to establish an Asian American Pacific Islander caucus. Uh, it's the first legislative AAPI caucus to be established in the Virginia General Assembly. We have um, four, now five members in the House of Delegates. Uh, we just had a new member that was elected this past November. And then I am uh, the representative from the Virginia Senate. So there are six of us now. Uh, and, and we saw such a critical need for the establishment of this caucus. So just as a quick example, of course, is the exponential rise of uh, hate crimes against the AAPI community that we saw emerge out of the pandemic where uh, AAPI individuals were targeted uh, for hate crimes, um, scapegoated for the pandemic. We certainly heard from our community members how children were being bullied in school uh, and, and made um, uh, uh, belittled for their uh, background and their identity. And these are serious concerns. We have to speak out and address that. And one of the ways that we want to really highlight the concerns of the AAPI community is uh, through expanded uh, educational opportunities. You know, one thing critically missing, well, several things are critically missing in the way uh, American history is taught. Uh, marginalized communities are, are not integrated effectively in our history books uh, and, and the story of America is such a rich and complex one, but it, it, the way it's told in our, in our classrooms, it often sidelines so many uh, of those important voices. And so an important part of what we are trying to accomplish through the AAPI caucus is to make sure that there is adequate representation of the history, the culture, uh, and all of the different ethnic identities that have created uh, this narrative of what is America. And we want to make sure everybody knows that Asian American history is American history. Uh, Black uh, American history is American history. These are all um, part and parcel of what this country is about. 
and the the story of this country needs to be much broader and and uh, much more inclusive of everybody who has contributed to making uh, this this country the way it is. Thank you. So my last question uh, for today is, running for public office may sound intimidating for some people. What advice or insight would you give to those listening about running for public office? Well, first of all, I would say running for public office is not for everyone, but there is uh, there are so many ways that individuals can get involved and uh, contribute and, and work in public service. And anybody who wants to be a part of government has ample opportunity. There are many, many levels of government and elected office is just one part of it. And we need smart, dedicated, uh, hardworking folks in every level of, of government, whether it's state, local, national, and there are so many different positions uh, that one can be a part of, so many different agencies and uh, different divisions. And so I would encourage people to find where their passion is. And, and if one wants to be in government, there are pathways to working and, and being a part of making changes. Uh, but if anybody wants to run for elected office, then there are certain things that I would recommend. Uh, one is to really find why uh, one would want to be uh, in an elected office. It's really important to know why you're running uh, in the first place. And, and I've met a lot of people who can't really articulate that effectively for themselves, let alone for the broader public. And so the first question any candidate is asked is why are you running? What's made you run? And you need to have a really good understanding of what's motivating you. And hopefully the motivation is that you want to make a change uh, in the way the government is uh, working and that you also want to represent the communities that you are uh, passionate about and you want to help people. In large measure, this really is a service-oriented position. About 40 to 50% of my day and my office staff uh, days is spent in constituent services, helping people navigate some of the bureaucracy or to reach the resources that they need and to be able to um, uh, have, a, have a better and easier, easier life, basically. Um, so that's really important to know why you want to run. But uh, the second thing I would encourage people to think about, and most particularly uh, our diverse communities, is, is to begin to build that network of support understand uh, who's, who is around you, uh, how, that, how you can help them, how they can help you, and to really have those conversations, to be a part of the bigger picture of what's happening. For young people in particular, there's so many ways to get involved. Uh, you can get involved through campaigns, you can get involved uh, through internships in offices, uh, you can just reach out and talk to elected officials and ask them about uh, what uh, is important to them and what their work is like and, and uh, get a better sense of, of this particular dynamic. 
And so there, there are uh, any number of pathways, any number of opportunities. And I think I represent um, the, the opportunity to, to do things differently. <laughs> I, I developed a set of skills in academia. I developed a set of skills in the classroom and through administrative work. And all of those have been really, really helpful to me now as I've transitioned into this new position. Thank you. I wanted to give you an opportunity to, if you would like to say anything more about any of the questions that we have previously discussed, or if you'd like to add anything um, that you think would be uh, important as part of this conversation. Well, I would just uh, reiterate uh, the last uh, point that uh, we were just talking about is how to get more involved. And, and I think uh, it's quite obvious when you meet people who uh, think that they are a politician and, and they look and act and behave a certain way and talk a certain way. But I think it's also obvious when you find some uh, folks who are in office and are serving for the right reasons. And that's because they really are reflective of the communities that they've emerged from and that they are uh, authentic that they understand the set of values that they are um, uh, subscribing to and that they're going to work hard to champion those values and that's the kind of moral leadership i think we really desperately need in this country and so one thing i always um, like to emphasize is that we really need to revise our sense of electability uh, too often times a lot of people are told that they're not electable and therefore they should not run for office or, or seek uh, political office. But that's because we've defined electability a certain way. Uh, we've defined it according to uh, those who can raise a lot of money, those who have broad networks, those who are entrenched in the political system. Uh, I would hope that we begin to revise our notions of electability around individuals who are uh, um, ethical, that demonstrate integrity, and that also uh, have a very clear sense of what they need to do to effectively represent the people in the broader community that's around them. So I hope we begin to work in that direction. listening to the Georgetown Public Policy Review Podcast. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and check out more from Georgetown Public Policy Review at gppreview.com. Thank you.